Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, 103.9 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you on another Friday evening where we are set to continue our exploration into this call we have to pray for one another, better responding to that question that we get <laughs> all the time, can you pray for me? Really what we have been at over the past, oh, five months or so is looking at very specific ways that I have called keys to better respond to that question. And we have looked at them in various uh, modes, uh, parts, uh, keys, tips, if you will. We are in the last key, uh, going through a series of reflections on Mary. Now, this will be part two. And like last key, as it relates to praying and thanksgiving, praying with Mary will also be in three parts. This is part two to praying with Mary. Now, there have been several questions that have come up from last week with regard to intercession and praying with Mary. So I want to address those, but as we do, we ought to first highlight some of what we talked about last week so as to better get at those questions, if you will. First, it should be noted that where you find Mary in sacred scripture are all of those most important points in the life of Jesus. When he was born, when he died, uh, his first miracle, right? In each gospel, we have explicit references to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And in each instance, as I highlighted last week, we read of Mary doing what but mediating divinity. Matthew introduces us to Mary as the virgin who will conceive and bear a son, the son who was the God-man Jesus Christ, of course. So Matthew introduces us to the unique mediation of Mary who, of course, shares in the great one mediation of Jesus Christ as we read it, read it in 1 Timothy 2.5. Uh, this same point is echoed in the Gospel of Mark. Luke introduces us to Mary in the Annunciation with that great angelic salutation, Hail, full of grace. Upon a brief dialogue about how this will be, Mary says what? But yes to the vocation of being the mother of God, doing what? But mediating divinity. John introduces us to Mary in the wedding feast at Canaan with the words, they have no wine. Another dialogue ensues, and with the words, do whatever he tells you, Jesus turns the water into wine, and Mary once again mediates divinity. That's that all-important first miracle, right? Essentially, it is to say, the gospel message is clear, my friends. Mary's mediation brought about the presence of God in the world and the first miracle in the gospel. And so, as I suggested last week, if we desire to do the same in our intercessory prayer, placing our petitions into the immaculate hands of Mary is not a bad way to start. And here, I want to go to that first question that I received, and it came to me as this, plainly, but Joe does not going to Mary take away from Jesus. The question I pose in return simply is how, right? How? Uh, one might say, 
the moment we turn to Mary is the moment we take away from Jesus. I get that. But was God the Father in the wrong when all of heaven was made to focus on the person of Mary when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary? Of course not. When heaven's attention was given to Mary, it was because God gave the attention to Mary. And oh, by the way, my friends, the whole life of Mary did nothing but what point to her son. Do whatever he tells you. Those words we heard at the wedding feast at Cana were her last words recorded in sacred scripture and really are the words she echoes in her ears. Do whatever he tells you. She's constantly with head postured downward saying, do whatever he tells you, pointing to her son. Now, last week we reflected into the significance of the queen mother in sacred scripture. And we did so with the words of Elizabeth in our rear view mirror. What am I talking about there? Well, recall those all important words that Elizabeth said to Mary upon her arrival at the visitation. Uh, what do we read in Luke 1, chapter 1, verse 44? Why is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now, this is a very important verse because the Hebrew for mother of my Lord is Gabita. It was the title given to the queen mother. We also see the queen mother called the great lady or even mistress, the great mistress. So the Gabita, the mother of my Lord, this admired title was used often in the Old Testament to describe what but the mother of the king. And so this is where the second question came in. And really it was more of a request. Joe, you spoke of Bathsheba as a type of Mary. Are there others? And if so, can you talk about that? And yes, uh, I will. But as I do, let us first again take a snapshot just by way of reinforcement to what we talked about on this point last week. And what did we highlight last week? But that in the Davidic kingdom, the mother of the king held an official position in the royal court. What was the significance of this position? Well, she shared, that is the queen mother, in her son's reign and served as an advocate for the people and really a counselor for her son. In particular, holding what was called the seat of mercy. So there, uh, last week, we turned to 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 16 to 21. And I'll go ahead and read these verses again, because this really does get at the heart of the role of the Queen Mother in action. I, I love this exchange. <laughs> and this exchange takes place between Adonijah and Bathsheba, as well as then Bathsheba and King Solomon. And now I have one request to make of you. Do not refuse me. She said to him, say on. And he said, pray, ask King Solomon. He will not refuse you to give me Abishag, the Shunammite, as my wife. Bathsheba said, the queen mother, right? Very well, I will speak for you to the king. So Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him on behalf of who but Adonijah. And the king rose to meet her. And bowed down to her. Then he sat on his throne and had a seat brought for the king's mother. There it is, the Kabita. And she sat on his right. Then she said, Bathsheba to King Solomon, I have one small request to make of you. Do not refuse me. 
And the king said to her, Make a request, my mother, for I will not refuse you. She said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Ananijah, your brother, as his wife. And as it goes, he does. Uh, pay close attention to these words. We're not going to get into it as we did last week, but I just want to highlight here at least a couple of things for our conversation this evening. First, that her son was approaching her son king on behalf of another person. This was the norm, just not in the ancient Davidic kingdom, but really in all ancient courts, even near eastern courts, as the great lady, the queen mother, the great mistress, was also known to be an intercessor and advocate for the people she served. Second, that uh, up to this point, and I think this is really important for us, we are to understand that Solomon must have had a track record of granting requests, the queen mother's requests. Because what does Adonijah say? Pray, ask King Solomon. He will not refuse you. There's great confidence there. Great confidence in Bathsheba to mediate on his behalf and ultimately to have his request granted. And again, here Bathsheba emerges as a prototype to Mary. Now to the question, where else do we see this? Well, let us bring our attention to something we talked about, oh, maybe a month ago, when we were talking about fasting and Mordecai going to Queen Esther, that she might intervene on his behalf. Last month, I made the observation that in the famous story of Mordecai, Queen Esther, and King Osiris, we have a great example of the power of fasting after King Osiris sent out an edict that on a set day, Mordecai and the Jews in the surrounding area were to be killed because Mordecai did not pay homage to Ammon. Mordecai sought out Queen Esther to go to King Assyrius and intercede on behalf of the Jewish people. She agreed, but before the queen went before the king, she urged Mordecai to gather all the Jews in Susa and to fast for three days and three nights. Esther was not going to go before the king without the interceding power of fasting. Now, to respond to your inquiry and request, where else do you see it but in the case of Queen Esther? Why would Mordecai go to Queen Esther but for the same reason that Adonijah went to Queen Bathsheba? And when you go to sacred scripture, there's a very similar conversation going on between Mordecai uh, and Queen Esther and then Queen Esther to King Osiris. So in the book of Esther, we have this beautiful exchange and one that very much resonates with that which we just read between Bathsheba and King Solomon. Grant me this request. And King Assyria says, well, of course, (laughs) you're the mother. This is what is expected in this dispensation of mediation, dispensation of grace. So by virtue of the role that Queen Esther played in mediating on behalf of the kingdom, did Mordecai have confidence in Queen Esther? And again, (laughs) the request was granted. Very, very important. All right. All that being said, let us now turn our attention to another aspect of Mary's intercession. And here I want to uh, focus in on what she teaches us as one who discerns. You know, what's interesting. We think carefully about many things, do we not? From our discussions about the politicians we favor or disfavor to why we will or will not go to see a certain movie— 
We deliberate on so many different things, on a great number of matters, multiple times every day. I posed you another question. How do we think carefully about God? Do we think carefully about God? Do we ponder as Mary pondered? Do we ponder at all? And something I touched upon in my book, A Heart for Evangelizing, there is a compelling, compelling insight that comes to us from Mary's pondering in chapter 2 of Luke's gospel that is very much relevant to our wider discussion on intercessory prayer. In Luke chapter 2, verses 15 and 19, we read, When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. Now, after this narrative, some 30 verses later, Luke records another episode, the episode of Mary finding Jesus in the temple after losing him for three days. And upon finding Jesus preaching in the temple, what does Luke write? He said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. Okay, what's going on here? Well, in each narrative, we read of Mary thinking carefully, right, about the mysterious events that are unfolding before her and, dare I say, in her, right? Now, in its English rendering, the word Luke employs for thinking carefully is what but pondering. Really, pondering is the apt word that describes treasuring all these things in her heart. What do we make of this word? Well, the Greek word for pondering, symbolain, also means to throw together, to compare or, or weigh facts, or even to piece together. In effect, my friends, Mary was balancing and counterbalancing, we could say, the revelation that she was the mother of God who is now a baby, weighing and measuring the wider meaning of losing God for three days to then find him preaching in the temple. Brothers and sisters, Mary had a lot to think carefully about, right? She had no sexual relations, yet she had a baby. And her 12-year-old godson left the family caravan to listen and teach in the temple. What we see in Mary's pondering is not only a wane, but again, a piecing together of a series of events that she was slowly being made to understand. To pray with Mary is to learn how to fluently ponder. Now, is it necessary for us to ponder every prayer request we receive? No. Often the person who is asking for our prayers is doing just that and nothing more, asking for our prayers. But for every prayer, that goes up to God is a conversation that comes down into our heart, and this always needs pondering. And yeah, as I've touched upon before, maybe God does desire to reveal something to you about uh, the prayer request that was given to you. You can only know if you ponder, right? So practicing the way of pondering in our intercessory prayer, and, and let's call it the virtue of pondering in our intercessory prayer, really is to I would argue for the practice of defeating the enemy. What do I mean? Well, there appears to be something explicitly going on in the Greek. 
The Greek word that I just highlighted, symbolane, which means to throw together, is in direct contrast with the Greek diabolane, which means to, to scatter or to throw across. Of course, you can hear it in the Greek. From diabolane, we get the word what? Diabolical, which we often translate, I think, just more generically as belonging to Satan. Satan's function, my friends, is to what but leave us scattered, thrown asunder, confused about everyday life. We overcome the tempter's tactics by piecing together, making sense of, if you will, in God's grace, what God desires us to make sense of. So we overcome Satan's diabolane by imitating Mary's symbolane. Amen? Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.